Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters. Yo girl, you a 0% APR loan? Because I really don't understand your terms and you keep saying you have no interest. <laughs> My name is Thomas and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking? And where did that amazing catchphrase come from? <laughs> Dude, that came from my buddy on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, oh, LJE553 again. That's right. That, was, that is like my all-time ever. favorite right there. It's like way too <laughs> clever. I, oh, I love it. I am drinking Black is the New Wit, a wood-aged imperial black, black rye wit spiced ale. That has way too many names in it for me. I know. It has every keyword possible. <laughs> Let's uh, add in some triple IPA. It'll be the perfect hipster beer. Boom. I have water in my Camp Nerd Fitness bottle because I lost my normal one. But, uh, so you can't make fun of me for the Fiji bottle today. That's true. But yeah, I'm being real boring tonight. But uh, yeah, so today we got Timothy Sykes on the program. How's it going, Tim? How's it going? Doing good. So let me get this straight. You took twelve thousand uh, dollars as a bar mitzvah gift and turned it into a million and a half dollars through trading penny stocks. Is that correct? Yeah, that was in high school and college. Now I'm actually up to four point two million. Okay, so four point two million is your current portfolio worth then, and then one point five is like just kind of what was reported in the press back then. Yeah, that was the first four years. That's when it kind of went viral because it was like, wait a minute, this guy did this all in high school and college. This is freaky. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We were trying to figure out what the, what the real number is. So now I understand that's the cool. numbers so, changing because I keep making money. So everyone's confused. They're like, what is it? I'm like, it, it, you know, it's an active <laughs> thing. It doesn't just stop. Yeah. Hopefully nobody's money just stops one day. Hopefully. Uh, so, uh, this is an interesting episode because Andrew and I, we're both kind of like the passive investing sort of dudes, like shove your money into a mutual fund, just uh, at least to a certain point. And it seems like you have a very, very different story. So I guess I'm just curious to hear like what got you into trading these smaller stocks? What is a penny stock? I'm not even really sure what that is. So yeah, just uh, kind of enlighten us. Yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't intend on being a penny stock trader. I don't think anybody actually does. I wasn't like a little kid being like, yeah, I want to be a penny stock trader when I grow up. Um, you know, I had mutual funds, I had big company investments. And when I got injured, uh, I was a tennis player in high school and I got injured and I had Tommy John surgery. They took something out of my right arm, put it in my left arm. My tennis career was pretty much done. So my portfolio was doing nothing and I was already into college early admission. So my parents gave me control of my bar mitzvah gift money. And they're like, Hey, go to work. They thought that I would lose it all. They thought that I would be like the latest day trader to blow it all. And I would learn the value of a dollar. And they thought that would be a tough lesson for me. Um, and instead, I, I really focused on these penny stocks, which are stocks trading under $5 a share, under $1 a share, very speculative mm -hmm. companies. They move very fast. And with that, you know, senior year of high school, I grew the 12000 into over 100000 And by the end of freshman year in college, I was at uh, over $700,000. And basically, the way that I do it is just playing the momentum of whatever hot stocks there are. I don't care about these companies. I'm not looking to invest in like the next Microsoft. That's how most people view penny stocks and they're suckers. I trade the momentum because I can, you know, grow a position and, and grow a bet, for lack of a better word, by 20, 30, 50% in one day, which, you know, your mutual funds take five or 10 years to do that. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Andrew. Well, I was going to say, so that sounds awesome, like trading momentum. And I mean, if you are so lucky to always be trading upward momentum, you know, that's, that's cool. But what about the downward momentum? How do you know if it's going up or down? And do you just like hold until it goes up? Like what, what's your, 
Yeah, most people like, you know, kind of hope. And, and if a stock starts going against them, they, they just hope that it comes back. I always cut losses quickly. That's kind of the secret to my success. I'm wrong one third of the time. It's not like I have this magic formula that's right 100% of the time. I'm wrong a lot. But what I do is when I see the stock going against me because I am playing momentum, obviously something's wrong with my thesis. And, you know, I get out. So I have lots of little losses. Um, but my gains, when I am right about the momentum, like I, you know, this morning I made about $3,000 um, just buying two specific penny stocks that were breaking out and I was right on both of them. Um, so the gains add up if you, you know, can, can be disciplined. The problem is most people can't be disciplined. They can't cut losses. Their ego gets involved. They say, ah, oh, you know, I, I want it to, to go up and, you know, they're just wrong and, and a small loss becomes a, a disaster. And that's why most traders actually lose money. Mm. So with this kind of trading, it's really different than uh, than normal investing because the market itself will probably bounce back during a dip. But individual companies at this size, most of them are probably going to fail, right? Correct. Most companies fail; they go bankrupt. And I actually bet on them going down too. Uh, most people don't know about short selling, where you can make money when stocks go down. But because a lot of these stocks are just outright scams, like the the kinds of companies in the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, you can make money by betting on them going bankrupt. And so I bet on failure. Some people say that's wrong, but you know it's just statistically accurate. So I, I do it quite often, and I kind of expose these scams, and I get in fights with celebrities who promote them like Justin Bieber and Shaquille O'Neal, who have both sent me cease and desist letters, but I did not take the down the blog posts. So I won. Interesting. So I've heard a lot about shorting stock over the past you know, few years. I've been into personal finance, but I don't really understand how it works. Can you kind of give me a crash course on it a little bit? Yeah. Most people have no idea. It, it freaks them out because I'm taking a negative position. And you're like, what? How do you take a negative position? Well, you sell first instead of buying. So normally, you know, you want to buy a stock at like $2 a share and it goes up after a few years and you sell it at 10 and you make $8 a share, 10 minus two. Let's say you see an overvalued company right now and you're like, this company, you know, there's red flags. They don't have cash. There's some scam. Something's going on. So what I do is I sell it at 10 now with the goal of buying it back at two later. It's the same $8 a share profit, except reverse chronology. And, hmm. you know, that freaks people out because how do you sell something you don't own? Well, you borrow from your broker. And so on my positions in my broker statement, it'll say like negative a thousand shares instead of a thousand shares. So it's just flipping the, the well-known formula in reverse. And if the company happens to do well, you basically take the same kind of loss that you would take if the company did badly and you had invested in them? Correct. So, okay. you know, I'm, I'm betting on failure, but the cool thing with these penny stocks and with a lot of these, just, you know, I'm betting on outright scams. It's not even a question like, are they going to do well or not? It's like they are working out of a FedEx or UPS box. They have no cash, they have no revenues, and the stock has been pumped up by telemarketers, you know, in the Philippines. That happens a mm. lot. So it's not a question if it's a scam. It's a question, can you find shares to short? Because I do have to borrow from the broker. And more importantly, yeah. can I be there when the scam collapses? And, you know, uh, many times I'm there exactly when the scam collapses and I make 20, 30, 50, 70% a day. Sorry, my dog's going crazy. My, my fiance <laughs> just replied. I don't know if you can hear her. She likes short selling. <laughs> so um, I'm curious. You, I mean, you're, you're here, you know, talking to us. Who's taking care of your portfolio? I mean, if you're day trading, don't you have to like be there like at that moment to get the momentum? Yeah. I mean, usually I'm in 100% cash. Like right now, I have no positions while I'm doing this. I've done a few interviews where I'm like, I got to go. I got to make a trade. Um, mm -hmm. I'm very much like a sniper trading where, you know, if I 
if there's something in play, then I'll go trade it. But right now, you know, I've already locked in about $2,700 in profits this morning. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. Pretty, pretty good day of work already then. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I take the gains and I go because that's how I grow my account. So this sounds like not only picking needles out of haystacks, but doing it while you're flying by the haystack in a plane. So <laughs> I, I would I would imagine it takes a, a ridiculous amount of research to know how to pick them more than like right more than half the time. I'm just I'm curious as to how much research you had to put into this as a high schooler when you were first getting into it because it's just it seems like it's so uh, fraught with areas that you could you know make the wrong pick. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems overwhelming, and, and to outsiders, I, I can see that. Um, you know, when I first began, I didn't know how the whole game worked. I specifically just played price action. So I'm buying companies, uh, little penny stocks that are making new day highs that are just going up, and they're big percent gainers. Every finance website lists, uh, you know, the, the biggest percent gainers, the, the stocks that are moving the most in any given day. And from the very beginning, I, I focused on that. Um, now I purely focus on that. You know, back then I, I didn't know. I was like, okay, I'll trade this big winner. Then, oh, this company has a good story. Let me trade that. Um, mm -hmm. Good stories are everywhere. Big percent gains are not. So now I focus purely on the biggest winners every day. And you can look at the news. Yahoo Finance is like my homepage. So I see what drove the stock. You know, did they announce a big contract um, or were they just mentioned by, you know, all these different newsletters that are working together to promote the stock? So I look for the news and I look for the percent gain and I try and judge, you know, is this a momentum play that that's going to keep going or is this stock being pumped up so that, you know, insiders can dump it like a pump and dump. So it's, okay. it's, it's only two choices. And that's it. I, I keep it very, very simple. You know, I'm not good at math. I don't want to, you know, read the whole financial statements. I'm not trying to determine if their product is going to make it in the next five years. Um, it's, it's very much about momentum. So, Timothy, um, may, maybe you have to break this down for me because I, I don't get it where um, <clears throat> you could look and you could see what the biggest momentum stock is at the time. And, you know, maybe it's up 20 percent. That is already priced into the stock, and that is the past. So just because it went up twenty percent doesn't mean that it's going up twenty more percent, you know. Or if it could just as well go down twenty percent. So how do you um, see something that was a biggest mover and then go in? It sounds like you'd be late to the game. Yeah. So the beauty with penny stocks is that they're not very followed. You know, CNBC never mentions them. The Wall Street Journal never talks about them. So news kind of has like a, a little bit of a lag time. So if a company announces a contract and it's up 20% on a day, you know, if you're trading a stock like Google or GE, okay, the, the move is priced in the new news. That's cool. Penny stocks very inefficiently priced. Some people don't realize the value of a big contract. You know, just because a penny stock has one or two products, and if they get one contract, that basically validates their technology. So if they get one contract with a big company, then that could be a whole new ball game for their technology, and that may. People are thinking, okay, they just won this contract. Maybe they'll win another. So these penny stocks can go up 20% in one day, then 20% the next day, then the 50% the third day. That doesn't happen anywhere else in the stock market, and that's why I love it. The problem is that the reason why I only have 4.2 million, you know, people are like, oh, you're so smart. You know, people make 4 million in one year on, on Wall Street. Well, penny stocks are small. So I can only buy or short sell, you know, a few thousand shares before the stock really starts moving. So I can't mm. buy like a million shares of a penny stock and be like, oh, let me just ride it up. Oh, a million dollars in a day. Um, 
you know, it, it's a smaller game and it's made for people, you know, with, with small accounts. And that's why I teach it because it's ideal for people who have, you know, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars to their name rather than somebody who has, you know, five, ten, twenty million to their name. So it's is that is that a case that the company just doesn't have that much stock that you could buy, or are there limitations on it in some other way? Yeah, they don't have that many shares, and you know, again, my number one rule is to cut losses quickly. So if you take too big a position, you can't get out, and then okay. you're left holding the bag. So you can't take too big a position. I've had losses before. You know, I didn't have these rules all refined in the beginning. Um, you know, I lost half a million dollars of my own money when I really invested in a. A friend's business. They basically invented print at home ticketing. I was right about the technology, wrong about the company. And I took too big a position and I couldn't get out. So like, okay, now I've learned not to take a million share position. So I take yeah. very small positions and I just try and make, you know, making $2,000 in a morning, that's pretty much average for me. So it's seeming like there's some general rules here that even if you're not an expert or you're not like incredibly well-researched, you could sort of follow them and kind of cut off a large swath of the potential mistakes. So I'm kind of picking out like you, you look for big movers. You don't look for too many other signs like the story or the founders or anything. You look for signs of actual economic value gains rather than just press and hype gains. And then you cut losses quickly. Like are those your top three rules kind of? Yeah, I mean, pretty much when, when you're buying stocks, I want to see an earnings win or a contract win where they announce a big contract with a big company um, that, you know, really validates them, as I said, or, you know, companies report earnings four times a year. So you get to see the numbers, you see the revenue, the profits. So I like to see that. Obviously, most penny stocks are going if they have an amazing big contract or amazing earnings one-time thing. So a lot of people fall in love with technologies. I made this mistake several times over my careers. Now, I don't trust anybody. I think, okay, every penny stock is going to fail. I'm just going to use the stock and its volatility to try and make 10, 20, 30% in a few hours or in a few days. Okay. So I'm interested to, to hear about some of the mistakes you made along the way, because you seem like you have a pretty good system now, but I'm sure that it, this isn't something you can just sort of pick up unless you're taught. So, and you got into it in high school. Is there somebody that you had like a mentor or did you just sort of had to learn by the school of hard knocks? Yeah, no, all self-taught. Uh, the internet taught me everything. You know, back in 99, when I was in high school, I was using computers that were like connecting uh, on dial up. So I couldn't have multiple windows open because the, the mm -hmm. internet wasn't fast enough. So I would go to the high school computer lab and like click one web page on one computer. And while it was loading for 30 seconds, I would go to the next computer and try and click a different web page. Um, so it, it, it's been a, a huge journey. And, you know, I wish I had a mentor. That's my goal right now. When I'm a teacher, you know, I have 5,000 plus students. I want to be the mentor to people that I never had because I made so many boneheaded mistakes, like taking too big a position size, falling in love with these companies, not cutting losses. Um, you know, I was like, no, I'm, I'm right. I've taken 12,000 and turned it into 1.65 million. I'm right. And the market and the stock, whatever I'm trading is like, shut up. You don't know anything like you're not right. So it took me a while to get over the ego and, and the, the risk management, but now years, I have a, a pretty good, uh, you know, disciplined system. And I think that's what it takes to. When you were starting out, yeah. when, when you're starting out, how long or how much time would you put into this a week? 
you know, I've, I've been obsessed. I have an addictive personality. So uh, the question is, how many hours did I live outside of this world would be a, a, a lesser number. You know, I'm, I'm putting 16, 17 hours a day into this for the past 15 years. So I'm pretty crazy. Mm. And but that's, you know, that's, that's also me, you know, trying to refine my, my strategy and now teach, you know, most people, when the stock market is closed, they go home, they're done for the day. When the stock market closes today, you know, I'd give a webinar, I make a video lesson. Um, so I, I pull like double duty. So here's the thing is, um, sounds like an awesome, sexy story, which is why you've been covered everywhere. And, and I think it's really interesting to listen to. I'm skeptical in, in that there's going to be quite a lot of people listening to this and I don't want them to the, I don't want the takeaway to be, well, penny stocks is super easy and I'm going to make $5 million and they're going to go lose all of their money because like you put it, you put in like 16 hour days and crazy stuff. Like, could you maybe share some of the, the downside or, or the not sexy side to, oh, to yeah. even the argument? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I unfortunately do have some, some millionaire students. One of my students, he went viral on CNN and he turned 1500. He's now up to 2.5 million in four years, but you know, we're few and far between 90% plus of traders lose money. Um, so this is a, a game where literally most people are losing money and if they lose money, they lose everything. So that is why risk management is so, so crucial. You're going to hear pitches from penny stocks, family, friends. I mean, when I lost the half a million dollars, I mean, we were talking about the, the company's technology over Thanksgiving dinner with my best friend and his family. And, you know, that is just a classic mistake to fall in love with this technology. No technology is ever really going to make it. And, and if it does, you know, I, I was right about printed home ticketing. This was I invested like a decade ago. Um, even if the technology survives, the company itself, most penny stocks have huge red flags. So you can't believe management. You can't believe numbers. You can't believe pretty much anybody in this niche. The only thing that you can do is, you know, when you're wrong, even when you lose like 50 bucks or, or 5% on your money, be like, okay, I'm out and I cut losses. That is the only thing that is going to save you. Otherwise, you will probably blow up. Um, a lot of people go bet all their money on, on one penny stock. I use very small portions of my portfolio. Um, so I'm like kind of like this cowardly, castrated choir boy trader. That's what I, I do this voice in my video lessons. I'm like, I trade like a castrated choir boy. And that really protects me versus, you know, a lot of people who are like, oh my God, I know this stock. I know this technology. I'm going to bet it all. I'm going to use leverage and they blow up. So I never risk disaster. And, and that is, should be the number one key takeaway, whether you're trading penny stocks, normal stocks, Forex, don't use leverage. Don't be sure of anything. Even me as, you know, this, this multimillionaire over 15 years, I'm wrong a third of the time. And if I didn't use you know, all of this risk management, I would be broke. So yeah, and we talked about that in the leverage uh, episode, right? The margin one, Andrew. Yeah. Amplifying. Or if you do that, you can really screw yourself over if the stock goes down. So yeah, it's, I think, I think maybe a nice little caveat or maybe like a stipulation to tell people if, if this is anything that's like got your interest, obviously Andrew and I have talked about for many, many episodes, like, get a base of 25 grand in passive investments before you even think about playing with individual stuff. And I, I think I'll stick by that rule. Um, the other thing is though, I think with, with penny stocks and stuff like this, it just is, it seems easier to invest because it's not, you know, you're on sweat and you see these big gains. Maybe we could say like, if you're, if you're thinking about doing anything like this, you should be willing to invest that money in yourself. Like, 
like a, in a startup sense as well. Like if you weren't willing to build your own company with that money, then you shouldn't be willing to like put it into uh, somebody else's company. I don't know. Cause like you said, I think it's, it's very easy to want to put a ton in at once and get really hopeful on one thing. And you really want to like mitigate the potential for that to happen. You know, yeah, I'm, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Timmy. Uh, you know, it's also, it's, it's nice and easy for me to say, oh, look, I turned a few thousand into a few million. I mean, this is on thousands upon thousands upon thousands of trades. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it is hard work to make this kind of money. I mean, it's obviously it, it's been worth it in my case, um, but I don't want anybody to think, oh, it's it's so easy. He's just going to win, you know, 75% of the time, just cut losses, play the momentum. It's not easy. And, you know, even my top student, Tim Grittani, who did take a few thousand, turn it a few million, he lost rather consistently for the first few months because it's it takes practice to, to gauge the momentum, to, to choose the proper position size that you're comfortable with. You know, everybody is different. Some people, can't handle, you know, a hundred dollar loss in a day. Some people, you know, if I lose 10,000 in a day, then I'm kind of unhappy. Um, so you have to know, really know yourself. And, and I think trading more than just the money that you can make or lose, it helps you get to know yourself. And, and I, I, I hate it when people make money and they're not comfortable and they don't know what happened. They're like, well, I, I just played the momentum and I made 500 bucks, but I don't, I don't understand it, but cool. Thanks. I don't like that. I want you to understand it. I want to teach the rules of the game. You know, there's this really negative attitude towards penny stocks because of the Wolf of Wall Street, because people have been scammed and they go down with the ship. So I'm really trying to, you know, get people to trade more like snipers. And I know you guys are passive investors. So this is like the emphasis of what you believe in. <laughs> well, I think that's why we wanted to have you on, because I do want to hear the other side of the story. And while I'm skeptical, I, I it obviously works for some people. There, yeah. there's, what there is, is there's inefficiencies for people with small accounts, you know, because most people mm -hmm. don't trade penny stocks. They don't follow the news. So you can make a quick few hundred or a few thousand. This is not something where, you know, I, I'm ever going to get respect. I'm going to be like Rodney Dangerfield all my life. And that's fine. <laughs> but as I create more millionaires, you know, people are going to begin to see, wait a minute, he's not full of crap. So that's, that's my journey. And it's going to be a long one. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, like for me and Andrew, is that we don't, you know, get stuck in dogma. We have kind of our rules, but we do think that you can really learn from anybody. So mm. I think that's kind of the, the attitude we approach this show with. And I'm interested to learn all this stuff. Um, I just personally want to, I don't know, give people a base, like a secure base with which they can rest assured they have, and then they can start experimenting from there. That, well, I, that's my opinion on it. I would also say, you know, don't believe anybody says anything. You know, there was a guy named Madoff and he was president of the NASDAQ and he claimed mm -hmm. to be this amazing investor and he actually didn't trade at all. So part of what I do is, you know, I show every trade, I show my tax records, I show my audits, um, really try and look for people who are fully transparent. You know, the mutual fund industry, very transparent because it's a multi-trillion dollar industry. So that's good. Uh, in the trading world, you know, you have all these people all over the internet who are like, oh, I'm going to make you rich. And you're like, well, where's your track record? And like, if you read that deep down in their disclaimer, it's like, well, this is hypothetical trading, but theoretically you could have made this money. I hate that. I am all about transparency. Um, you know, I, if you look at me online, I kind of attack my haters because they make assumptions because I'm in this scammy industry and I'm, you know, basically pitching penny stocks. So I'm like the worst person in the world. And, you know, tra full transparency is the key. So before you look at any strategy, whether it's mutual funds, penny stocks, Forex, 
oil. I, I don't care about anything. Past performance is indicative of future returns. I'm sorry, legal experts in SEC. You know, you don't go to a baseball game and look up at the scoreboard and see this guy's batting average and says, well, his past batting is not indicative of his future batting. No, his batting average is most likely what he's going to do. You know, if somebody's betting, batting 300 every single year in the major leagues, most likely the next year they're going to bat 300, barring any injury or steroid use. So look at track records and really, you know, just understand that you can lose everything. That is probably the most important thing. You can lose everything in any strategy. Mutual funds are not safe. They lost 50% in 2008, just like a lot of other people. So if you're willing to risk losing everything, there's still some opportunities if you are meticulous. On the on the mutual fund thing, I think it's actually very timely we're recording this. So we're, we're recording this March 17th, and on March 14th, there was an awesome article in the New York Times, and uh, the title is, how many, mu- how many mutual funds routinely route the market? And it says zero. And it, it goes from 2010 to 2015 and how just over time, statistically, it is extremely unlikely to beat the market. So, I mean, is, is it a, you're saying it's an exception in the, the penny stock world? Or do you, th- uh, like, why, why would you think you were able to beat the market and you just haven't had like a, a bad run? that kind of brought you down to earth. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I tried investing in my family, friends, business, that's when I lost 35%. Aside from that, I've been profitable every year trading. I think that the individual has a huge advantage using their small accounts. They don't have to have this big diversified portfolio. You know, a lot of mutual funds are just weighed down by their rules. You know, even if they, even if the manager finds out that there's going to be thermo global nuclear war tomorrow, the mutual fund still by its charter has to be 65% invested. You know, that's ridiculous. As an individual, if, if, you know, you see that there's some really bad news or something negative, you can get out of every position very easily. Mutual funds, hedge funds, these big tankers, these big diversified tankers can't do that. So the individual has huge power, but with that great power comes responsibility. Just because you can get out very quickly also means you can get into stocks very quickly. And many people make the wrong choices with that power. So if, you know, what I teach is is try to be like a sniper where most of the time I'm 100% cash, like right now. And that freaks a lot of people out. Most people want to stay invested. They want to have their money working for them at all times. I think that there are times, especially when you have a small account, where you can grow it faster than anything. Like I can make 10% in a morning versus a mutual fund that can make 10% in a year. So I like to try and find those specific inefficiencies in those times and focus on them. Okay. So so a question I have right now is uh, you said you're doing this like 16, 17 hours a day. Um, obviously, you have you know, most of your day free since this is your job to be there when things move. And I'm wondering like for the average person who maybe this seems interesting uh, against all the warnings of more cautious people like me, they want to get into it, but they have a full-time job or, you know, most of their interests lie in things outside of stock trading and they might, you know, have a passing interest in it. Uh, What sort of disadvantages that put them at that maybe they like are in the bathroom when some crazy thing comes up that they didn't even notice or like they have a meeting or something. It's like, funny that you mentioned that. Cause I, I lost $30,000 one time when I went to the bathroom or I, I missed out on a $30,000 <laughs> opportunity. I was waiting for this stock to crack for three days and I was like, Oh, I really got to go. And I went to well, the bathroom and I missed the crack. So yeah. Know. Cause I, I saw on the front page of this profitly thing that you have a profile on. Um, somebody else was like their, their post pulled up to the top and they said they fell asleep during a 30 minute thing where they lost a bunch of money. So. It, you know, it's, it's serious. I mean, this is, 
if you're going to be like a sniper and you're going to trade very quickly, you have to be, you know, on full alert. Like, I, you, you know, you wouldn't go to Vegas and play a blackjack hand and, and leave $5,000 on the table and be like, ah, I'm just going to go back to the bathroom. You know, you guys watch it. You're like, mm. you know, you have to, to keep track of, of every single dollar while your money is in the market. That said, even as I've been doing this and I've been working, I've been traveling. I, I love to travel. I've been to 100 countries over the past few years, and I can do this from anywhere in the world with just a laptop and Wi-Fi. So mm. while I, I kind of am you know, a slave to my computer, some days I don't even trade. Like yesterday, there was no good trade, so I did not make one trade. And that happens sometimes. And you know, on the days off, I can focus on replying to emails. I'm, I posted the other day on Instagram, I'm like 400,000 emails behind. Like it's, it's sickening because everybody wants this. So you, know, you can kind of choose your own... Uh, uh, level of interest. You know, I, I have a lot of people who make just twenty or thirty thousand dollars extra per year in part-time trading, and they focus purely on power hour, which is three p.m. to four p.m. Eastern, when a lot of penny stocks start moving. Um, you know, three p.m. to four p.m., and then also the first hour of the trading day, nine thirty to ten thirty a.m. Those are the two hours of the day where most of the volatility comes. So you can kind of segment your day based around school or work or travel, also. And I would assume that if you are doing that, then most of your money is just not in the market during those, I guess, non-trading times. Like you have it sitting in cash. Exactly. 100%. Uh, this is very much like sniper warfare. You, I take my shot, whether I hit or miss, I get back and I get out versus, you know, you guys are like the, the British army and, you know, you have this war of attrition and, and that's cool. But, you know, I'm like this American guerrilla fighter and, and America beats Britain. So I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to say, how come you get to be the Americans and we have to be the British? Because I'm, I'm the guerrilla fighters fighting in the trees and I have very little and I have no respect. And you guys are the, the massive, you know, mutual fund empire. See, with I say that would make us the Americans and you like the Viet Cong or something. <laughs> I, you can call me Charlie, whatever you want. I'm, I'm hiding in the trees and I'm using that as, as cover for my, my quick shots here or there. I aim small, miss small. When you so start, I want to ask, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, ask about the cost of each of these trades because I, I mean, I don't know much about individual stock trading, but when I was in high school, I opened a Scott trade account and then they were like, yeah, it's going to be eight bucks a trade. And you're going to never make any money because of that. So, like, is this the same thing where you got to pay a big commission every time you execute a trade and you just hope that your gain, like, overtakes that? Or is there a way to sort of avoid commissions somehow? Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to, to avoid commissions. There's a new uh, broker called Robinhood, which is free commissions. Um, you know, for me, I don't mind paying the 5 or $10 per trade. I use E-Trade. Um, I use SureTrader. I use Interactive Brokers. They're all roughly 5 to $10. If I'm going into a stock, and, you know, I think it's going to move 10, 20, 30 percent in a day. I don't care about a point zero five. You know, even if I invest, let's say a thousand dollars, I mean, that's we're talking less than one percent in commission. So if I'm going to be right uh, for this stock, uh, you know, even even if I, it doesn't hit my 10, 20, 30 percent target, if it hits my five percent target, I'm still going to be profitable. So trading volatile stocks is the key. Commissions will eat you up if you're trading choppy stocks and like, you know, you try and make 1% and then commissions are half percent. That's why it's really key to focus on stocks that are moving and that are in play because you'll know the outcome within a few hours or within a few days. Mm. So when you started and you had about $12,000 um, and, and you were really young, bar mitzvah, some, what are you, like 15 or so? Yeah, I was 16. Well, I had my bar mitzvah when I was 13, but it was just sitting in, in an account doing nothing. So I was I was 16 and 17 when I first started getting into the markets. So so you just started getting in. You had no experience doing this. You had like $12,000. How much would you play with in a day? Um, 
And how long before you made like a meaningful movement upwards, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I got started, I'm like Forrest Gump. I'm in the right place at the right time a lot of the time. Um, so I got started in 1999 and you couldn't do 1999. Thank God I didn't know about or else I would have been like, this is all irrational. And I would have gone bankrupt. Um, you could have bought anything back then. I was buying stocks out of the $12,000. I would put in like eight or 10. I had no risk management, um, but I would, you know, sometimes make and hey, sometimes you're, sorry, you're cutting out. So you said you would you would put in like seven to eight in a day? Yeah, I would use like 75, 80% of my portfolio per trade. Um, it, it was stupid. I had no risk management, but I was in the, the right market. I mean, companies, penny stocks back then would triple in a day when they simply added dot com to their corporate name. Mm. Like, you know, I remember Sportsman's Guide, they sell like camping equipment and the stock tripled in a day when they became sportsmansguide.com. So it was stupid. It was stupid easy back then. The, it's a different market nowadays. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. That's not hey. to say that there's, there's not opportunity. So now I, I, I bet less and I, you know, aim for less. You know, I, I had a hundred thousand dollar profit day as a freshman in college and I took my whole doormat because I was betting three quarters of my portfolio that day, which was roughly, you know, my portfolio back then was 250,000 and I bet 175,000 in one day. I would never do that now. So I would have smaller gains, but I'm, I'm more conservative as I've gotten older. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a good uh, way to go about it. Honestly, like even in just the business world, you know, the, the practice of doing your own, running your own business, it can be really tempting to go for the huge wins all the time and sort of just ignore all the, the margin plays, uh, you know, where you just kind of get a little bit added. But I think those are valuable and you have less of a chance of crashing and burning on those. Yeah. You know, it's so. like, do you guys ever play skee-ball? Yeah. You know, like if you go for the hundreds in the top right and top left corner and, and you have like almost no shot of making it unless you're like some skee-ball fanatic, I instead go for the 30, 40, 50s because even if I miss, like I'm going to get one of those. So I'm aiming for singles <laughs> instead of going for home runs. At this point, I have to go for the hundreds. My friends are too good. There's no <laughs> you know, point unless I go for those. <laughs> but, you know, you're going to strike out. So I, I'm, I'm going for high odds singles. And that's why, you know, if you look at my trades and I, again, I show every single one of them. So people are like, you didn't do this. Well, I show every single one and I show, you know, the audits and, and tax stuff. Um, I make, you know, $500 on a trade, sometimes a hundred dollars on a trade. And people are like, Tim, you're a multimillionaire. What do you need an extra hundred dollars for? And it's, I don't aim to make a hundred dollars. Sometimes a trade goes badly and you know, it doesn't go up as much as I want or, or go down when I'm shorting and I just take a small profit. So it, it's not about always making a huge amount of money. It's, it's trying to capitalize on what the market can give you. Yeah. Cool. Well, Hey, Andrew, do you have any follow-up questions before I uh, start wrapping it here I, and like give my thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think that was pretty good. I, I think we, we properly conveyed both sides and I think um, in the end it didn't come across because, and, and not that you, he ever said that it was like, it was super easy, but you know, that it is a lot of work and yeah. that, um, I'm used to people thinking that this is like <laughs> some kind of get rich quick scam, you know, and, and that's why I've been doing this for 15 years and I have, you know, footnotes galore that I've worked my butt off and, you know, it's all about rules and being that said, you know, there is opportunity for small investors and small traders if you're meticulous. So yeah. I have to present the good and the bad um, because, it, you know, this is America. This is this 
land of opportunity. And, and I'm very fortunate and, and blessed to have, you know, traveled my, my crazy little life. Yeah. So, so before I, uh, do the outro real quick. I'll just kind of give my initial thoughts right now. Cause this is something I'd never even thought about. Um, but you know, a- Andrew taught me basically that, you know, if you can, if you can get a base of 25 grand in something like Betterman or something like Vanguard, then, uh, you know, Andrew, you have like Tesla and you have Apple, right? Yeah. But that's these, like not that big in. holdings on I'm, I'm like the overall yeah. scheme of my, yeah. Yeah, so like really small holdings, just kind of playing around, but you you have a solid base that you're very confident will remain, you know, at a certain level of return and will not destroy you <laughs> yeah. in the long run. <laughs> so uh, personally, you know, and I, I think it's very easy to look at people who are successful and think it's going to be easy to emulate them because they've laid out some steps. Um, that is very often not the case. However, I think that there is some potential for research here for at least uh, my own purposes. So once I hit 25K in my taxables, which will also include more in my retirement and have that base, I may think about, you know, having a little, like building a little fund to play with and see if there is some potential here. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's sort of my thought right now. What about you, Andrew? I, I agree with that, you know, because part of it is if you do enjoy doing this stuff, you know, it's fun to play. And as long as you have, like, something socked away where, I mean, uh, he was really lucky because he was younger. So if, you know, everything blew up in his face, like, he still didn't even graduate college yet. Like, this whole life is ahead of him. Um, Some people with, you know, wives and kids and can't really bet the whole, you know, farm on something. But if you have a lot socked away and, you know, you want to play with your $1,000 and it's working, then, you know, great. But, you know, maybe if you lose your X that you put in, you kind of cut your losses and... Yeah, move on. Yeah, yeah, I think that was one of the big things at, that you cut your losses. Look, sorry, this should be looked at as kind of like a fun little, you know, side game. Like I hate people who go to Vegas when the odds are like 30, 40, 45%. And, you know, sometimes they win, most of the times they lose, but they have a good time and they drink. And that's, you know, what they consider gambling. This is kind of like yeah. research gambling where the odds, given the indicators, given the, the inefficiencies in penny stocks, the odds can be 65, 70, 75% for, in, in your favor. And there's no free drinks, but, you know, it, it's, it, there's a way to, to, you know, have an edge, have an advantage over others. It's kind of like Dennis Rodman playing mini me in basketball. You know, Mini B has no chance at, you know, making or dunking on Dennis Rodman because he's just too tiny. Dennis Rodman will dunk again and again on Mini Me. And in my niche, you know, most people are not Mini Me's because there's no, there's not much competition. You know, hedge funds, finance people, they, they laugh at penny stocks. They literally laugh at me. Like I've, I've met some respectable people who work at Bloomberg and I, I'm like, yeah, I, I trade penny stocks. And one guy, I'm not going to name him, but he's a, a famous celebrity at, at Bloomberg. And he walked away after shaking my hand without saying anything, just walked backwards when he, when he found out I did penny stocks. And I was like, are you serious? And he didn't understand, you know, that I'm, I'm trading them. I'm not promoting them. I'm, I'm, you know, trading them very conservatively, but he just heard the word penny stocks and he started backing away while looking at me in the eye, like as if I'm like the devil and that kind of just, you know, ignorant assumptions, but, but hatred is the gift and curse of my strategy because no big timer really trades this stuff. So there's just not much competition. Yeah. Cool. So if people want to connect with you, do you have like a Twitter or website they can go to? 
Yeah, if they go to timothysykes.com, um, you know, that's my website. You can look at all of my my obnoxious travel photos on my Instagram, Timothy Sykes, and I have over 400 free videos on YouTube. If you think, you know, I'm totally full of it, I provide so many examples of good and bad trades. Uh, you know, you can learn everything for free on, on YouTube if you want. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for not walking away in the middle of the <laughs> Yeah, man, no worries. Like like we said, we're... I think we're in this as much to learn and and kind of open our minds to all different aspects of this topic as as we are to, you know, make content. So uh, yeah. at least that, that is be, for me. Be distrusting, but be be distrusting of any strategy, you know, not just penny stocks, but but anybody who claims that they can you know make you above average returns. But give everything an opportunity. You know, if, if, if somebody is fully transparent and they have success and their students have success and their their followers have success, then, you know, just just consider it. Don't play with rent money. Don't bet, you know, your your food money. But if you have some extra capital, you know, we are in a bull market and there's a lot of opportunity in bull markets. Even in bear markets, I I look forward to getting more sleep and and shorting more pieces of crap. But right now, (laughs) I'm primarily buying these things because they just keep going up. Cool, man. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you again, guys. Have a good one. Yeah. All right, guys. So if you want to ask any questions, listen, money matters at gmail.com is our email address. And I have a feeling Andrew's going to have lots of emails <laughs> piling up in his inbox. <laughs> and uh, listen, money slash get involved is where you can find all of our opportunities for getting involved with the show, including simply subscribing, rating and uh, leaving a review on iTunes, which is always helpful. And today's review comes from Jake underscore S23 on iTunes. And he says the financial podcast. I decided to get better with my finances and a quick search on Podcast Addict for a financial podcast pulled these dudes up. Since I started listening, I have paid off a major chunk of debt and started investing through Betterment. Shameless plug. Thank you, Andrew, Matt, before he left, and Tom. You guys are effing awesome, and thanks for the good beer recommendations. Keep on keeping on. All right, well, thanks for that review. And uh, hey, if you want to find our favorite money management resources and books we recommend and all sorts of cool stuff, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you'll find that stuff. Thanks again for hanging out with us, and we look forward to the next episode. Later, guys. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show.